Chapter 10. I'm the greatest. Make America great again. Hashtag MAGA. It's boldly posted by Trumpers all over social media. I can dig it. But in order to make America great again, you have to define the time when America was great. Pride keeps people from being great. This means pride will get in the way of truly making America great. Being the greatest is not the same as being great. I agree that America is the greatest nation in the world. Should be the most grateful nation in the world, really. But just being great doesn't make it great. Facebook may be greater than MySpace, but Facebook ain't a good kind of great. Facebook is run by bigots that discriminate against the ideals that don't match those who run it. They're fools that claim to hate discrimination. Yet that's what they do. They're hostile to those who actually detest discrimination and are tolerant of those who do discriminate against others. Facebook may be the greatest social media platform, but they're not a good kind of great because they don't live up to the ideals of equality that they claim to be the champions of. Much of America is like that. However, the foundation of America is a good kind of great. It's not only great, it is the greatest foundation to build a great and greatest nation. What gets in the way of that is people instituting what is contrary to what America was founded for. Free acknowledgement of God in the name of Yeshua, the rights he alone gives mankind and the protection of those rights. What is this point of greatness that people are talking about, though? Is it economic greatness? Is that what it all boils down to? After manufacturings, innovations and such, does it come down to how much revenue we have that makes us great? No wonder people think Republicans are all just about money and think we don't care about anything or anyone else. Is that the point that we're trying to get back to? Was what made America great when America was doing great economically? Maybe a period between the Civil War and 1913? The Gilded Age, I reckon. I could dig the Gilded Age. It wasn't great just because of the economy, but because it was a time when it was more close to what America was founded to be. It was a time when there wasn't so much government overreach and perverted laws in place to make it legal to deprive another person of their God-given rights. Democrats lost the Civil War and could no longer disregard personhood and make another person property. Slavery used to be lawful. It was lawful, quote-unquote, to disregard the supreme law of the land. Well. That ain't so great. But when Americans stood up for what America was founded on, that being to acknowledge that God is the grantor of rights and that we're all created equal and are inheritors of these rights, that was a moment when America was great, a good kind of great, when it was quote unquote legal. To treat women as second-class citizens 
and not allow all women's suffrage. That law was antithetical to the supreme law of the land that says we're all created equal. Women should have the right to vote. If women were not allowed equal rights, then that would again be so-called Americans not living up to the promise of America. That ain't so great. Now, the God-given rights of American men and women, regardless of race, are acknowledged to all be protected according to the U.S. Constitution. I understand a lot of people don't feel that way. These people want to stay in their bitterness. But the fact is, it is no longer, quote-unquote, legal to deprive people of their rights. There was a time it was, quote-unquote, legal to do these things. It is no longer legal, quote-unquote, because it was never actually legal, according to the Constitution. But people took liberties with interpreting the Constitution or justified ignoring it. When all man's God-given rights were acknowledged, America had a flash of greatness, a good kind of greatness. Then some so-called Americans went right back to interfering with the promise that made America great. Another thing that makes America great is our right to property. But the 16th Amendment was imposed, which contradicts our right to property. This interferes with the promise of America. This is not great. How can America be great if it's legal for our government to steal from us? We already had a tax model in place that would fund government functions, and it did not intrude on the people's right to property. But the people got greedy, and the government reflected and represented the people's greed. That ain't great. To make America great again isn't just making money and products. You can't be a thief and be a good kind of great. Thieves ain't great. There was a time when so-called Americans stole people's liberty and deemed it, quote unquote, legal. That ain't great. But then Americans rectified that. That is great. Then Americans allowed for a government that deprives people of property. That ain't great. No matter how much money or industry America excels with, it cannot be great because theft is not great. Abolish the government's power to tax people's earnings. Stop allowing greedy people to drag us into the forfeiture of more power to the state to lord over us and steal our ability to thrive because these greedy people think they're going to gain from it. And these same people call America a thief. And in a way, they're right. They are the thieves in America who covet the earnings of others and vote their power away. The collectivists are bent on dragging others with them because they think the state is going to punish the wealthy and that's going to make their lives better. Leftists are the thieving Americans. 
they accuse America of being. As long as we have to be governed by, quote unquote, legal thievery, America can't really be great. America can't really be great when it's legal, quote unquote, to kill preborn children. It's in contradiction of the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness and property. The prenatal kid has a right to live. But it's been made, quote unquote, legal to ignore that right. The prenatal kid has a right to liberty, but it's been made, quote unquote, legal to ignore that right. The kid has a right to property, but it's been made, quote unquote, legal to ignore that right. Since uh, the poachers of the abortion industry snatch off the kid's body parts which are the kids' property, by the way, and the abortion industry sells them. The prenatal kid has a right to pursue happiness, but it's been made, quote-unquote, legal to ignore that right. America cannot be made great until it is not legal to be in contradiction with the supreme law of the land. All the bigoted blood of intolerance that America has on its hands to keep it from being greater for the past 150 plus years has been drawn by the Democrats and deviant Republicans, whom we have to thank for legalizing abortion. But Democrats can't even coexist with or tolerate a preborn kid. But they want to lecture us about coexisting intolerance. They can't even tolerate a prenatal kid for nine months, after which the kid will exit naturally. I thought the left was all about natural stuff. Then these so-called pro-choice people try to justify abortion by saying, conservatives claim to be pro-life, but don't want to take care of children after they're born. And don't even try that cop out on us. If you're claiming to be pro-choice, then you need to be pro-pay for your own choice, not pro-make somebody else pay for the choice you wanted to make. And that includes the baby having to pay. Making the baby pay the death penalty for your choice is straight up evil. So for those who ask, when has America ever been great? I kind of agree with the question because Democrats have been long intruding on what could make America greater. But when Republicans stepped up to stop Democrat evil, that is an example of when America was great. Now, even in America's worst times, it still has been the greatest nation on earth. For those who say I'm preaching to the choir, that's kind of off. Have y'all ever read my hate mail? If I'm preaching to the choir, where's that hate mail coming from? Or even worse, being shadow banned. So even haters can't see my work. And it's not like preaching to the choir is a bad thing. The choir not doing the right thing with the right preaching or teaching is a bad thing. Liberals preach to the choir all the time. And they're constantly in our face with what they've been taught. So many others get infected by their liberal loony speak. 
and the collectivist choir grows. So I hope y'all will share efforts like mine and support creative Christian conservative content producers so the kingdom choir will grow and eclipse the bored collectivists in our time. Preaching to the choir is also bad when you preach crap to the choir and the bad choir takes that crap to spread around the world. Ugh. Our preaching to the choir is bad when you preach good stuff to the choir and the choir doesn't take that good thing and spread it around. So if you just watch my videos, for example, which I think have a pretty decent message, and you don't spread the vids around or recommend this book, then that would be an example of what's bad about preaching to the choir. You didn't do anything with it. The choir just sat there with what's good, while the liberal choir grows from spreading what's bad. Don't be complacent. We got a great victory. Now we have to keep the victory from liberals who are losing their quote unquote minds or whatever that thing is on par with the zombie apocalypse and trying to infect others. Freedom isn't free. People on the right keep saying that. But a lot of these same people don't like to put their money where that saying keeps coming from. Y'all freedom costs. And I really hope I can get more of y'all to support and contribute to the building of my production company, Bronze Serpent Media, so I can do my little part to create media to compete with the liberal narrative. Show support so the field grows stronger with more creative Christian conservatives to compete in the culture. Bronze Serpent Media, in case you were wondering, draws its name from Moses being instructed by God to make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. Despite the sins of the Israelites who brought upon themselves snakes, striking them with fiery venom, the Lord said if they look at the bronze serpent, they will live. This is a picture of Christ for the exercise of faith he would come to speak much of. The bronze serpent was to be an image of a venomous serpent because the venom of a serpent is needed as an antivenom. The lamb is injected with the venom, representing Christ bearing our sins. The lamb's blood creates the antibodies to treat envenomation, representing Christ's authority to forgive sins. Notice, the Israelites were not told to worship it, pray to it, or bow down to it, burn incense to it, or whatever. Just look at it. But eventually, they started doing the aforementioned anyway, despite the commandment not to. And John would come to say, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. John 3.14, BSB. Bronze Serpent Media is a production moniker under which I produce audio-video productions, or multimedia. Whether it be music, movies, teleplays, in different genres, action-adventure, sci-fi, fantasy, mystery, suspense thrillers, etc. That's the objective, anyway. Bronze Serpent Media wants to deliver such productions with style and guts to invite people to dig the Lord instead of glorifying what's apart from him. Liberals get lots of funding 
to make media that rots. I hope y'all will be just as supportive in helping to make media that rocks. Part of making America great again is making great media again. Entertainment media messaging is what's been used to bring America to the mess it's in now. I hope you'll support media to help reverse that. Thank you all so much who have been supporting all these years. I hope more will come through and realize the legion that we're up against. Let's motivate like a legion that knows it serves the greater God. It took eight years to land a good punch to that leftist legion. But they ain't down for the count. They've gotten back up already. Swinging more wildly in a way that will lead us back into an all-out war. As Christians and Republicans, we have to reclaim what it is to be radical. Being a radical isn't about shaking things up. It's about being grounded, rooted, solid, leveled, and adherent to a core when things are shaken up and breaking down. Or there's so-called radicals whose core, for lack of a better word, is chaos, which renders oppression and murder. There's right radicals and wrong so-called radicals. To be a right radical, you have to have a right root to bear right fruit. Right root fruit. That's just fun to say. Republicans were founded as the radicals of the U.S. Constitution against the Democrats who were the rebels against the U.S. Constitution. To make America great, it's going to take being radical. When the Republican Party was founded, they were considered radical because they were rooted in the charter of our God-given republic. They were crazy and extreme enough to fight for it against the selfish who were heretics against our Constitution and the God-given rights of man. And it does take a little bit of cray-cray to stand up to the selfish because selfish people tend to be quite belligerent. It's a lot like how capitalism has been poorly defended because Republicans poorly define it, which is why they poorly promote it. Being a radical has the same problem, as well as the usage of the terms left wing, right wing, and fascist. All this stuff has been obscured. To make America great, the record needs setting straight. People are deceived by these things because Democrats run the institutions of the highest influence. The school systems, news and entertainment media, even Google. People get a lot of their info from Google searches. Google is going to make sure that you see what's twisted first. It's going to make sure that you see the twisted meaning of fascism first. Like people defining it as a right-wing ideology. When it absolutely is not, fascism is a collectivist ideal. And the people are rallied into bundling together to forfeit power to the state to dictate how people will be socially dependent. 
That has nothing to do with the right wing. Absolutely nothing. But these childish people are led to understand fascism to mean control. And being controlled to them is not allowing them to do what they shouldn't be doing. They only consider it as imposing a morality onto them. That's what they think fascism is. What they feel entitled to supersedes our morality. And to them, it is immoral and fascist to deny them their desires that they want facilitated at the forced expense of someone else's rights, like forcing tax-paid doctors to treat their STDs or provide them with birth control. Or if you say people can't come into our country illegally, the liberal will call you a fascist. They see you as a control freak who won't let others do what they want to do, even if it's wrong and illegal. Not to them, of course. But the true fascists are them because they want illegals to come in so they can bundle them together with them to give the state more power to force us to be socially dependent and make it legal for them to do things at the forced expense of someone else's rights. That's fascism. Conservatives shouldn't be letting liberals get away with this, but they're doing it right now. Google showcases these deceitful definitions of fascism to influence millions. These left-wingers have again falsely switched a definition and people are going to believe it. Just as the Republican Party was not founded to be liberal, liberals always say Lincoln was a liberal. Yet, liberals always say War is never the answer. Well, for Lincoln, war was the answer. So if he was a liberal, he wasn't a very good one. He was a radical and a liberator, but not a liberal. Today, we think of radicals as people who've gone 5150. No, radical means root, grounded, if you will, stable. Do these left-wing nuts that these conservatives are calling radical look stable to you? If they're rooted in anything, it's rooted in wrongness. The abolitionists who came together to form the Republican Party were called radical Republicans. Why? Because they were rooted in the Bible and the U.S. Constitution. The Democrats were not. The Democrats were so uprooted from the Bible and Constitution that they took the liberty to make their own Constitution of the Confederate States so they could keep the slave market going. And who says the Bible is outdated and needs to be changed? Then ironically says you can't trust the Bible because according to them, it's been changed. Democrats. But in America, who has adopted the switch of what it is to be radical. Democrats, they embraced the book Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky. His book isn't for radicals. His book is for rebels 
against righteousness. He dedicated his book to the first rebel against righteousness, Lucifer. Lucifer is not a radical. He was a rebel for a wrong and selfish cause. The book by Saul Alinsky is deceptively called Rules for Radicals, but it is really a book for unruly rebels. But it's effective marketing. There is only one truly righteous rule book for radicals, the Bible. It's the book of righteousness that the Republican Party is supposed to be rooted in. Unfortunately, there are even Republicans today who reject that. The word of God is the word of true liberty that tells you to not even think about infringing on another person's rights to satisfy your own selfishness. The Bible tells us, I don't care if you think it's right. It isn't. I assure you that what you think is right is selfish and it will infringe upon the rights of someone else. Or as it is written, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 16.25 NASB The Republican Party was founded and rooted in the liberating word of God. The law of God is that we are to be free. Jesus is the ultimate liberator and who is the truth that makes men free. The Republican Party was founded on abolishing slavery and to liberate according to God's design of freedom. That's what made them radicals. We need more of those radicals today. We need Republicans today who want to reclaim what it is to be radical, rooted, grounded, and stable in something stronger than ourselves and be conservative with its word so as to preserve liberty. Not these pseudo-conservatives who say they don't see what Christianity has to do with conservatism. Their attitude is they'll define conservatism by their own standard or by the standard of other flawed human beings. For instance, saying, I'm a Reagan conservative or I'm a Goldwater conservative, etc., However, at the end of the day, anybody can find fault with Reagan or Goldwater. That's why I'm a Christian conservative. I find no fault with Jesus. Therefore, I base my conservatism on Jesus who had no fault. I don't base my conservatism on men who do have faults, especially my own faulty self. Anyone who does just bases their conservatism on anything that could change at any time according to the imperfect ideals of men. I don't care how good you think you are. ISIS? They think they're good men too? Nazis thought that they were good men? The Democrats think that they're the party of the goodest people there is? But no, you don't have to be a Christian to be a conservative. There's no law saying that you do. And Jesus wouldn't want us to make it a law. It should only be a free will choice. But if you can't even consider that there has to be a fixed foundation 
to build a platform on, then are you really a conservative? If you think that being a conservative means that you can be a conservative based on what you think is good and right, then you're being selfish and self-righteous. I don't think that's really conservative. Even Andrew Breitbart, who was not a Christian, acknowledged the Judeo-Christian foundation of the Constitution and wouldn't change it because that is the safest and most stable foundation for liberty. You don't have to be a Christian, but being dismissive or trying to remove the Judeo-Christian foundation is really a bad idea. So is claiming to be a Christian, but taking the Lord's name in vain to assume that it's okay to do things apart from what he would approve of or saying that you keep him separate from your political views, which makes no sense like trying to sniff the letter five. These people be like, I believe God is all knowing, but he doesn't know anything about politics. Wait outside the voting booth, Jesus. You don't know how this works. I mean, I'm a Christian because I kind of believe you created the universe and all, but I just don't think your word is wise enough to consider when casting my vote. Voting with you in mind just isn't, you know, progressive and stuff. Such things are among the reasons why there is so much fracturing on the right end of the spectrum. But for me personally, I just think it's practical to pledge my allegiance to the one who establishes the eternal kingdom and by his light and law helps us preserve our republic. I see Christians, even Republicans, who keep following the applause line of God is neither a Republican or a Democrat. Democrats favor this more than anybody because they're the ones who want to keep God out of how people vote the most. Republicans should totally set themselves apart from this Democrat way of thinking. Stop clapping for that stuff. It's just pastors pandering for applause to the self-righteous sentiments of their congregation who want to be made to feel like they're enlightened because they're casting judgment on both sides as failures. This feeds that holier-than-thou ego. And both sides do fail. But one of those parties, the Republican Party, is actually based on the right approach that squares with the Bible and the Constitution. The problem is Republicans not having the Constitution to adhere to the Bible and the Constitution or Republicans who aren't being radical, rooted in it. Whereas the Democrat Party is inherently at odds with the Bible and the U.S. Constitution. They weren't formed to be rooted in the Bible or the Constitution in the first place. And if a pastor isn't explaining what those platforms are in the effort to have a people ready to vote to preserve our God-given republic, then that pastor is doing their congregation a disservice. All that said applause line sentiment does is discourage people from voting or weakens them voting in a manner conducive with preserving our God-given republic and makes them useless in maintaining the freedoms that we have. True, God is not a Democrat because God doesn't make law based on our selfish majority votes. We're a republic with representatives and we are ruled by a constitution 
of laws. Well, if we're Christians, Jesus is our representative, and he is the law. And if you're a Christian, then you understand that your life is under his rule, and you are under the rule of he who is the law. When Judge Dredd says, I am the law, Jesus be like, yeah, that's cute. The Republican Party was founded by abolitionists, and its highest objective was to abolish slavery. Now let's look at the very first commandment in the Ten Commandments. And God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Exodus 20, 1 through 2 in ASB. God himself is letting us know that he is the ultimate abolitionist. What God is saying is that it is a commandment that man be free. The Republican Party was founded to honor the commandment that all men are to be free. What is the rule of law that we live under? It is the law of God that we are to be free. It is the foundation of the law of this republic that we are to be free. It was on the word of God that the Republican Party was founded to abolish slavery so all men could enjoy their God-given right to be free. That is the rule of law we live under, so legislated by our highest representative, Jesus. Sounds pretty Republican to me. If Christians aren't clear on which platform stands closer to the Bible and the U.S. Constitution, then we will have the godless ruling over us. And there's nothing great about that. America will never be perfect because there are no perfect people. But despite being imperfect, we can still be a great nation. We've done great good, but we've also done great evil. America wasn't founded to be a great evil. We will always have people who will violate good law. That's not really what would keep America from being great, though. What keeps America from being great is when Americans keep making it legal to violate the rights of man. You can't buy your way out of that with a great economy. Liberals disagree that America was founded to be good since they believe America is this evil group of people who stole this country from the Indians. They ignore the fact that the Indians were taking land away from each other before the white man showed up. Indians pillaged, raped, enslaved, and made human sacrifices. But liberals want people to believe that they were just these peace pipe smoking hippies. For all the guilt liberals try to make us feel about supposedly stealing the Indians' land, I have yet to see these liberals relinquish their property to the Indians and go back to wherever their ancestors migrated from. Hey, if all the liberals were to actually put their money, and I mean their own money, where their guilt-tripping mouth is and leave the country for the land of their ancestors, then that would be a huge step in making America great. Yeah, we can dream, right? I mean, if the DREAM Act can be passed where other people can come here illegally and dream, then we can dream too, right? Just saying. 